episode of Progress, Potential, and Possibilities, discussions with fascinating people designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of our show with another fascinating guest uh, involved in creating a better tomorrow on many different fronts. Uh, today is going to be a really fun show. I, I love uh, convergent topics, and we are going to be diving into science translational research, venture capital, business development, uh, across a, a range of domains from pharma, cosmetics, material sciences, really exciting stuff. Um, today we have the honor of being joined by Dr. Anil Akuta, uh, who is an investment director and founding member at TDK Ventures, uh, which is a deep tech corporate venture fund, a uh, part of the TDK Corporation, the Japanese uh, multinational electronics company uh, that's involved in a variety of areas, uh, electronic materials, electronic components, and so forth. Uh, Anil is very passionate uh, about both energy and the healthcare sectors and ultimately believes that these are extremely impactful areas to build a sustainable future, uh, a mission uh, that he is leading at TDK Ventures. Uh, and he has, uh, throughout the time there, reviewed over a thousand startups uh, and then a, a list of some of what he has invested in to date, just to give you a, a, a scope here. Uh, Auto Flight, which is an electric vehicle takeoff and landing company, uh, Geneticist, magnetic imaging-based cardiodiagnostics company, Origin, 3D printing, mass manufacturing, uh, EXO, which is a fascinating handheld 3D ultrasound imaging company, uh, GenCell, which is involved in ammonia to energy hydrogen fuel cells, uh, really fascinating spectrum of investment opportunities uh, from uh, his seven current investments, and he has already secured two exits, a GenCell IPO'd on the uh, Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, Origin was acquired uh, for $100 million recently, uh, Anil has been voted as one of the rising stars uh, in 2021 venture capital, uh, and recently was ranked number two out of 20,000 corporate venture capital managers globally, so uh, a lot of exciting things. Prior to TDK Ventures, he's held uh, multiple leadership roles and Fortune 500 companies, including L'Oreal, Johnson & Johnson, GlaxoSmithKline, and Draper. Uh, Anil has his PhD in chemical engineering from Northeastern University. He's authored over 15 peer-reviewed journals and has multiple uh, patents to his name. Uh, Anil, I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thanks for inviting me, Ira. That was a long, long intro. <laughs> wanted, wanted to cover everything because it's a, <laughs> it's a, a range of really cool topics. And, Thank uh, you. you know, yeah, I would love to start off like we typically do uh, by handing you the floor for a couple of minutes just to really talk about yourself, uh, a little bit of your background, everything from where you grew up to uh, how you got interested in, in uh, chemical engineering and biomedical engineering, uh, and a, sort of a little bit of your early interests, which are, you know, combined everything from uh, bioactive coatings for neural implants to uh, working in the natural product <laughs> segment as well. Talk a little bit about the early days, if you would. Yeah, those are a lot of questions. Um, I'm not sure if I remember all of it, but <laughs> uh, maybe it's a good test of uh, how much attention I'm paying. Uh, no, no, um, I got... Um, so I, I was born and raised in Bangalore, India, and um, so it's uh, my home. And um, I uh, grew up there, did my undergrad in chemical engineering, and uh, really the, the interest in chemical engineering started from my interest in chemistry. My dad's a chemistry teacher, uh, and uh, he also teaches biology for some random reason, um, and uh, picked up uh, sort of... Uh, love for chemistry early on 
but really never uh, started um, implementing anything uh, in the real world um, un until I started getting better at mathematics. And once I started bringing math and chemistry together, um, it, it really made a lot of sense that you could actually make products and uh, you can do research and, um, um, and so on, be useful to society. Um, and uh, so in my undergraduate uh, years, my uncle, who was the uh, former uh, vice president or senior vice president of R&D at Cargill uh, right. which, uh, in, in Minneapolis, yep. uh, he'd come down to Bangalore home. Uh, and then he, he was asking me about all these really tough questions about what do you want to do when you grow up and uh, why would anybody hire you? <laughs> Questions like that. And uh, uh, I, I, it really opened my eyes and uh, made me think that maybe I should uh, take up graduate studies and, and learn more. So uh, that's really uh, was the turning point for me, uh, that one conversation. And uh, um, so I took up uh, the GREs and so on. And uh, I, I, I made my way uh, to... Uh, United States. So humble backgrounds, dad's a teacher, so never had any money. <laughs> so uh, uh, it was always fun growing up that way. Um, and uh, the first flight I ever took was uh, from Bangalore to Chicago. So I had to learn about the flight etiquette, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trial by fire, right? Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I came uh, to Northeastern um, and uh, my professor was very uh, generous enough to hire me and uh, give me a, a teaching uh, assistantship. And uh, very short, in short order, I, I, I showed him that I, I could teach and was also interested in research and um, got into research. And uh, uh, that's how the whole entrepreneurial bug started because um, I uh, part of my PhD was funded by um, um, an SBIR grant. Okay, and um, and uh, and I really the the first thing that they told me was, look, this is an MIT technology. Uh, go to Ralph Landau Building and and uh, uh, here's the go check out the reactor, and uh, you got to take this and make it into a commercially viable thing. <laughs> And then the startup wants to do that. And I was like, okay, first, who's going to bring the reactor to the, to the office? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it started, right? <laughs> because it was this giant looking thing. Uh, we called her Nora and, uh, and the, the reactor. And uh, anyway, long story short was that uh, um, what I learned there was technology transfer. Mm -hmm. is like such a hard thing to do because oh, it's yeah. very easy to write a paper. I mean, it's not very easy, but it, it, it's, you know, you, one can write a paper by working hard, but going from that 95% product to that 99% uh, was like industrially viable. I think that was the hardest piece. It took me about a year to really get the same reactions to work <laughs> from, from the lab to mm -hmm. uh, the industry. Um, and, and honestly, even then it took, um, after that, it took them about two years to scale up uh, and, and even get it right. So um, talk about deep tech, uh, right? And, and, and these things are not um, as easy uh, only because uh, there's a lot of trial and error. And, 
And I hope that it, it's changing because of the informatics and all of the data science work that's been happening. Um, I, I believe that it's going to shrink uh, over time. So uh, that's me in a nutshell, just from a background perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm happy to share more on my specific interests and how I landed up with uh, bioactive coatings and things like mm -hmm. that. And, and I think uh, you, you'll, you'll see a little bit of um, pattern here is that I, I was given a lot of chances by a lot of very generous people. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it's not that I had this unrelentable love towards a, B, or C, uh, it, it just landed up that way. Um, and uh, uh, I think there were some basic building blocks that I liked. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, initially, I liked chemistry and math. And, uh, and that gave me this foray into chemical engineering because most people think that chem chemical engineers are chemists. And it's actually not true. Mm -hmm. Chemical engineers are actually far more like physicists. Uh, uh, less mathematicians, but they're like physicists, but they use mathematics to, to get to that, whatever outcome that they need in the thermodynamics or process engineering, et cetera. So, um, so that was the basic building block. And then uh, when I started graduate school, I also realized that there were pure engineers, there were pure software people, there were pure biologists or pure material scientists there were very few people who could do all of it. Um, so, uh, or, or all of it reasonably well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I was one of those guys, I was, I was not exceptional, but I was mediocrely good at every small <laughs> of these things uh, that, that mediocrity kind of turned into added value to many people because I could speak different languages. Um, and, and that really helped me kind of be more like a system thinker. I didn't even know what system thinking was, to be honest. Uh, I was doing it and I learned that that was a thing. Um, and, uh, and, and also similarly with marketing as well. I, I'm pretty good at resonating with people, finding common points of interest um, and, and so on. And, uh, and I'm fairly extroverted in nature. So I get along with people much easier than some, some other folks do. Um, and that helped me sort of build rapport with the customer pain and all of that. Again, I, I didn't know it was called empathic design or whatever they call it in marketing, right? And, and I, I was doing it. I just didn't know what, what it was. And, uh, um, and I landed up in, in spaces where people gave me a chance to demonstrate that, okay, I can be a system thinker. I can think about the pain and then bring it back to the product and 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 take it to the next level yeah it's a uh it's a it's a fascinating uh journey you've been on along that front and you know we chatted a little bit offline uh and you know i guess the next place i'd like to be before we get into ddk and all the really cool stuff you're doing now one of the most interesting things about your background next uh is that you were involved interesting in a variety of we'll call it more traditional industries where people gave you a chance for some very non-traditional stuff. And when I say non-traditional, you know, you were at GlaxoSmithKline, you know, one of my former employers, you weren't doing drug development, you were in the electroceuticals and bioelectronics group. 
uh, at J and J, you weren't making band aids; you were doing neuromodulation stuff. And and L'Oreal, it wasn't about cosmetics. You were involved in deep tech, beauty technologies, really sort of you know ten years ahead of, of where these businesses are going. Talk about sort of what it was. I mean, you're sort of like the wandering venture capitalist inside these companies. Talk about sort of what was happening then. How you know was it difficult to try to pioneer some of these futuristic ideas within sort of these hundred-year-old companies that are pretty used to doing things one way? Well, let's think of that. Let's set the record right. I didn't make a huge impact in any of these companies. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like you did. I'll me. be very frank uh, because I think they were very good leaders who are still working to make these companies even better. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I was a, a cog in that wheel, um, except that I, I did have some very um, memorable instances for working for Monsef, for example. Yeah. Uh, Monsef was a former head of R&D at, uh, at uh, GSK and uh, also the head of Operation Warp Speed yep. for COVID. Um, and uh, just learning from him, uh, the dashing uh, thinker, et cetera, was, was great. But uh, let, let's dial back uh, on, on, on your question. Um, so I think I'm, I've always been a part dreamer, right? I, I like to dream up things. Um, and then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and more often than not, it doesn't. <laughs> and and um, people were willing to give me a chance because I I kind of gave them a, a more realistic view of what the world could be and um, what would happen if everything went right. Yep. The, the, the important thing that, that people forget is they, they're very smart and they, they think that by figuring out what could go wrong uh, or, or by figuring out, by, by telling people how bad this could be, that they're better off. Right. But the problem is there's a market for optimists <laughs> and, and um, people don't realize that they have to not only do that, they also have to think about the, what, what's the best thing that could happen. And, and, uh, I think I was pretty good at that. And, and hence, I got very good at grant writing, for example, at Draper Labs. It, it, was the sort of the, it was the foundational thing that helped me kind of come out and, and really talk to people and, and tell them a story and, 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 and really back that with the science and the market data in order to give me that chance because no one will give you a chance otherwise. You, know, you can't just talk your way through <laughs> these things. Um, especially with ideas, right? You know, there's no product. <laughs> uh, you're just selling an idea. Right. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think that the grant writing experience that that Draper gave me um, into several of those DARPA projects, NIH projects, very academically oriented projects, mm -hmm. uh, really helped me understand how do you market to someone? Um, and... Uh, and, and from there on, uh, with GSK, uh, you know, they had already sold the idea to Monsef. So there was this guy called Chris Palm. Uh, he's still there at Galvani, the president. Yep. Chris, uh, you know, was, was an incredibly bright guy. And, and he was the one who sort of shepherded that uh, whole initiative. 
I got in because uh, of, 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 I mean, I, you'd be surprised how I got in into that group. Uh, it's, it's such a small thing. Apparently, he wanted to uh, find, he wanted to build a network of research people in the neuromodulation bioelectronic medicine space. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and for the right reasons, because he wanted to be ahead of, of the pack um, in peripheral nervous system neuromodulation, so visceral nerve neuromodulation. Yep. And uh, uh, he, he, I think he asked some consultants, I don't wanna name names. He asked uh, one of these top tier consultants to come up with a list of people who were the best in the world or something like that. And, um, and apparently he had spent some time trying to do it and he didn't have very good results. And uh, he asked my boss, my former boss, uh, Brian, uh, who was his uh, very good friend from Cambridge University. They both went to the university at the same time in England. And he asked my boss and my boss said, hey, can you do this thing? You know, find out who are the top like researchers. And I'm like, oh, that's easy. Uh, and, and, and frankly, again, the entrepreneur self in me, right? I'm always, I've always been that way. Um, I guess, you know, I don't know if you know the word Jugad. Uh, it, it means hustle in India, uh, in, in Hindi. So, uh, so it's just a, a little bit of a hustler, right? So I, I, I had asked my uh, PhD advisor to uh, keep a, a, a trial version part of uh, Web of Science. So I've always kept that. I mean, I don't get it anymore, but just full disclosure. Uh, I was young enough, right? Just, just out of the lab at that time, a few years out. So I guess he he kind of made me a favor, and uh, so I was a consultant or something like that to him. Anyway, um, so so I, I used that tool and mapped out the history of the research funding from NIH and DARPA from 1990 to 2012 or 13, okay. and literally I plotted it on a timeline and and picked out all of the researchers based on the publications, publication quality, age index, and it's something that any grad student would do, right? It, it was not something that was impossible or anything like that. It was a basic thing that I would do in a good critical literature search, right? It, it, you, would, you would be taught this in grad school, first thing to do, right? And, and I showed this work and I, I, you know, I made it look pretty and all. And, and Chris was bamboozled and he was like, I gave this to this top tier consultant and they couldn't do this. And you did this in like two days. Uh, I want you, I want to figure out how to put you in my team. And, and that's how I got in, into that initiative. And, and, uh, and I think the rest was uh, pretty much a great sort of journey, mm-hmm. um, building a network of people actually, actually doing that. And then starting the GSK Innovation Challenge um, and um, starting about over 15 research projects uh, during the time, of course, with the help of Arun and, and a bunch of other friends and so on. So my, my long story short is people have given me a chance because I've done something that they need that they couldn't do otherwise. Uh, and, and once you get in, then I think, you know, it's, it's about building relationships and understanding people's problems. Um, and same thing happened with, uh, with L'Oreal. I mean, I, I, I kept telling them that they should be looking into the future, which is into the medical uh, 
uh, side of uh, skincare. So uh, really thinking about where Allergan and, and the rest of the group plays. And, and again, there was already one person, my boss, Chabel, who was already doing that. He was, I mean, he has a PhD in regenerative medicine, okay? And, and, and the guy is, is, is as sharp as anyone else. And uh, I met in, in, that, in that space. And um, I just, he needed a little bit of extra help. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, he's, he's still working on it. It's not that he's fully succeeded yet in, in, that, in that work, but uh, I think we started something. I think we definitely started something. And, and including the CEO of uh, L'Oreal, uh, who's a, uh, note, he's uh, 25 plus years into this job. And he thinks it's all about medicinal chemistry, right? It's all about chemistry. Mm. And we're telling him, no, it's about biology, right? And, uh, and, and that is a tectonic shift for, for them. Uh, and on the other hand, um, there was already a guy, Give Baluch, and again, I can't take any credit. Give has done more to L'Oreal than anyone else in that beauty tech space. And um, my role was very, very small. My role was to look at the outside world and see which ones that we should be sort of going forward with or what types of technologies would give us a leg up and, and, sure. and further up. And, and uh, again, uh, very gladly so, I was able to um, impress a few of the executives at the, at the business level that they put me on a few M&A projects mm -hmm. uh, and so on. And uh, again, they get, I'd never done an MBA before, ever in my life. I didn't even go close to it. And it's just, I just picked it up. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I spent, I think, over 100, 100, 100 200 hours on um, learning about MA and valuations uh, from this professor on YouTube, actually, um, Ashwat Damodaran uh, at NYU. And uh, actually, he, apparently, he's, he may be from Bangalore. Anyway, uh, I, I picked up his valuations course. And uh, I, I mean, he's such a great guy. I, I really learned a lot. Uh, even, I never went to NYU. I didn't even apply to NYU. <laughs> but, but it felt like I, I, I went there. You know, uh, it was great. So um, again, a little bit of uh, my, my, my story has been that a little bit of a sportsman's uh, story. I, I grew up playing sports. Mm -hmm. I played competitive cricket. Okay. Um, similarly, uh, I was good enough with uh, mediocre players so that I got into the state team, but I wasn't really good. Uh, I was, was kind of mediocre. So, uh, but, but what I learned from that was this moment you get a chance the, the smallest opening you got, you got to take it and you got to go, go all in. And, and I, I've, I've taken that from, from cricket and uh, uh, I, I've uh, been very fortunate and lucky that I've landed up in the right, right places. And uh, obviously TDK Ventures is, uh, uh, it, it is my dream job. And I told this to someone recently, I could imagine myself doing this for the next 30 years and nice. still be not bored. I, I, I would not use the word bored. That word, I, I'm only using it today because mm. it just came out of my mouth. That, that doesn't exist. 
let's go there then because you know um <laughs> i'm a a child of the late 60s early 70s and obviously tdk was <laughs> for as long as the cassette tape existed uh, and, and into the cd uh, era of tdk was the brand i never really thought about what it was but tdk you know, <laughs> um Talk a little bit, obviously the company's been around a long time. It was big then, now it's in, involved in uh, augmented reality and drones and robotics and all sorts of other really cool things. Um, you're you know, running the, the corporate venture group. Talk a little bit about sort of how the, the company sort of reinvented itself over, over the years and then also uh, the role of corporate venture capital in sort of, and once again, we're getting, when we think of corporate venture capital, we think of these projects, okay, they're not the main business, but they're the future stuff that we're, we're, the direction we're moving. York's very excited about energy and healthcare. Talk a little bit about how corporate venture capital has played a role in TDK reinventing itself. Well, look, um, I think we've only begun. Right, um, it's a it's a very small uh, start. Um, I feel it's the right start. Small two million um, dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I also want to say that uh, number one is um, my boss. Again, he was already pitching this for six months before I even joined, um, and and I think he it was already in the works for even one year before. So um, without him, I don't think there would be TDK Ventures. He is a visionary and um, I, I think he's the best boss I've had. And, and you can put this on record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've said that to him uh, and, and it's not like I've never, never said that. So um, I say I've, I've said that, you know, more than once. So. Um, I, I think that the the key is he's got the right vision uh, of, of why do we need corporate venture. I think that the, it's the uh, I don't know I'm a, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. I don't know if you know him. Uh, the power of why, right? Okay. Um, he's majorly into that, and 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 rightly so. So I think TDK is is such a an amazing company that. Uh, it's really stayed current with the test of time. Um, I mean, so many of these business units are just not even there. <laughs> They're gone, right? Uh, the cassette tape, for example, the CDs, it's just that you were mentioning. And, and, and they have been the poster child of how a big company can be entrepreneurial. Yep. And they're Japanese. Japanese people are not known for this. And, and it's such a strange, uh, it's an amazingly strange company where the, the concept of change is the only thing that's permanent. And, um, and, and our investment committee um, has three people, uh, chief strategy officer, chief technology officer, and chief financial officer. All of them, they come from the era of the cassette so if you ask them, what can, not, what can TDK not do? They will laugh at you <laughs> because they just don't know what, they just don't have a filter. Right. Uh, so so it's, it's, a, it's just quite amazing to work with people who are like me and think like me uh, and, 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 and are real force multipliers. Um, and, and the reason why TDK is so... Uh, good at this is because 
they focus on contributing to the society. It's always number one for them. Very, very Zen Japanese types, right? And, and they think very long-term. Okay. Uh, they have plans for the short-term, but they think very long-term. And, and they think about societal good at large. And when you, when you did it that way, um, the short-term losses will not feel like long-term losses. I think, I think many people make this mistake, right? They, they, they think short-term gain is long-term gain. They think short-term losses is long-term losses. It's, you just have to have the right perspective to understand what's a short-term win, what's a long-term win. And, and they really know how to do that. And for that, they have a very active R&D group. They have a very active investment group. Even before TDK Ventures existed, uh, although they made only ad hoc investments, they never made investments like how we do. Uh, we can get to that, why we do what we do. And uh, they have a very active M&A group. I mean, um, to take a look at the, the buy of ETL, I mean, lithium ion polymer battery, I mean, who cared 15 years ago, right? No one, I mean, Walkman, that was the only use case they had, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so they had no use cases and, and that was taken away by, by our friends from Apple, right? So iPod came in and boom, it went away. So the, the thing is, uh, well, I think maybe, you know, I, iPods also had lithium-ion batteries, but it, it, it was a niche market, right? But having the vision to say, okay, we want to buy this company. And, and today they generate over five and a half billion in revenue. Right, uh, it's un, it's probably the best venture capital investment that they've made. Right, um, so um, TDK is is very well rounded, and um, in in from an investment perspective, the reason why TDK Ventures was started was because we needed to go back to what our founder did, which is exploration. Okay. We want you know the the analogy that my boss often gives. I'm going to give it here is. Um, imagine, you know, in corporate environment, what most people do really well is there's a mountain, there are multiple people, uh, you know, someone goes faster than the other guy, another person kind of pushes you, another person pulls you down, <laughs> but somehow they get you, they get, get on the top, right? But what they don't do well is if there's a new hill and they have to go explore that hill and get to, and figure out if that's a mountain, right? So, Going and figuring out whether there are new peaks um, is something that corporates forget how to do. So uh, it's, it's a metaphor for incremental versus disruptive innovation, right? Uh, they do really good incremental stuff because they have to be focused. What they forget is there's this new thing out there. You've got to be doing that because that's the only thing. I mean, take a look at the number of companies, top 10 companies in market cap in the last 10 years. The legacy industry, right? All the legacy folks are gone. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the top 10 in the companies in the world today are all venture-backed companies, all of them, literally all of them. You can go look this up. This is a staggering yeah. stat. And, 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 and the point is that these venture-backed companies have gone and explored those hills, right? They were very small when they started. It was, you know, Tesla Roadster was a hobby. It was not a business. Yep. So 
it, it, it started off very small. Apple started off very small uh, and so on, right? So they were all venture-backed companies. So, um, but, but they, they have grown into these amazing uh, titans, if you want to call that. Um, and, and, and TDK Ventures began with that exploration mission. When Nicola, my boss, said, look, we need to go back and, 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 and invest in companies that will inform the future of TDK uh, and, and be the helicopter where we have to go and explore these different spaces where we're not in today with technology we may or may not have. And, uh, and that was the genesis. And um, I think with that mission, uh, we are very, very confident that we will go in and make these investments where uh, we will get both financial returns, strategic value, and do good to the world. We call it triple bottom line. You know, at the, at the beginning, uh, I, I went through um, some of your your current portfolio and the deals that you've invested in, and obviously on the you know we talked about. Um, uh, handheld 3D ultrasounds and augmented reality contact lenses and so forth. Um, obviously, in those thousand or so business plans that you've looked at, there's been some trash probably, but a lot of other cool things you haven't invested in yet. Um, what, are, what are some of the other areas that you're hot on that you're really excited about, uh, looking for obviously nothing confidential? And then um, say a couple, any, any funny words about when uh, the, the business plan for something like Autoflake was put on your desk and they were like, here, Anil, check this out. And you're like, oh, vertical takeoff uh, helicopters. I'm a biomedical guy, but uh, take us on those stories as well, if you would. Yeah, I mean, look, I think every entrepreneur goes through a journey and it's their journey. So um, I, I know it's their blood, sweat and tears. So I, I want to uh, give the ultimate gravitas for, for their project, right? Sure. So uh, they're, they're, we're entrepreneur first and we yeah. care about it. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are lots of funny stories, right? <laughs> you go through these business plans and you're like, Huh? What's that? <laughs> uh, that 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 once in a while that happens. Uh, maybe for the lack of our own vision, right, uh, into the future. Um, but uh, look, I think the 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 key is, you know, when when we look at opportunities, we 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 often try to find these uh, opportunities that are small today but will be massive tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and um, and uh, the, the, the underlying notion here is that triple bottom line. Um, it has to be in a market that's exploding, right? Uh, it can't be in an area that, uh, that is much slower in pace because it has to look venture-like, right? right? Uh, a venture-like business would look something like 5, 20, 80, right? Revenue, you know, that, that's how the, it should look like. Now, people have figured that out and everyone shows that, right? <laughs> so it's up to us to somehow decipher that and, and, uh, and decode that into reality, right? Uh, because in, in the history of venture, there might be maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 companies that have done that. <laughs> Not every company will do it. Um, so so uh, there's a little bit of that, right? So we, we often chuckle about it. The, the hockey stick, um, 
revenue. Uh, maybe maybe one one I'll share you one funny story about. Uh, sure. I won't name names, but one story funny story was uh, uh, one of my friends uh, apparently um, uh, his his boss was a pretty smart guy, and uh, um, he basically said, uh, "Here are the projections. I can do Excel." <laughs> <laughs> the investors and the investors like okay next slide yeah. you know <laughs> so uh, at the seed stage i think uh, those 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 would be pretty true right, right. everyone's kind of like okay cool um but but i think it gets serious once you start hitting a's and b's and c's um things start becoming much much more uh, uh interesting um the second part, I think, of the question that you asked about was um, uh, interesting areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm generally very optimistic about energy storage. That's one space that I feel um, is is just changing uh, everything that we do. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean that lightly at all, right? Um, Electrification in general is 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 driving everything. I mean, mammoth industries are being converted. Oil and gas companies are no longer calling themselves oil and gas. Have you noticed? <laughs> they all call themselves energy companies. Yep. And um, uh, so, so I mean, I have nothing against hydrocarbons. Hydrocarbons are perfectly fine, right? Uh, it's just that uh, they're going to go away. So. Uh, do you want to get on the new ship or do you want to kind of uh, keep keep messing around with the old guy, right? right. So I think the, the electrification, um, energy storage, hydrogen feels very, very exciting. Um, on the healthcare side, I'm super thrilled about point of care diagnostics. Um, I think there's, it's just, COVID has just changed the landscape, right? Sure. Someone asked me recently, Anil, there's all this telehealth stuff that's going on. Where's the innovation? I said, there's no innovation. It's, it's just been the same. COVID has changed everything, right? Yeah. Uh, people have to do it. It's just like, you can't just show up to a doctor uh, if you have a cold or, or a cough, you know, it's going to change. Uh, so, so uh, or a fever or whatever it is, right? Uh, it's going to change and, and uh, integrated medical services is going to become a thing. Um, same thing with fertility, same thing with, with, with various markets, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I believe that the diagnostics, life science tools are going to become like a mundane consumer product. It's going to be like, oh, I'm going to buy a curing. I'm going to buy a PCR or whatever, right? Uh, it's it's going to be like that in the future. So uh, we're going to have massive consumerization of medical products. Um, some are good. Some are, you know, you have to be careful uh, on the data privacy and, and things like that. Uh, but I, I'm I'm hoping that it's it's going to be for the better. And um, specifically thinking about medical education, uh, access to imaging, access to uh, the right, you know, testing and so on. I mean, look at look at India, for example, how much they're struggling right now. It's it's dis- really disheartening to see what's happening. Um, I only wish that they had more tests and they were much more stringent. 
um, and, and, and the wave could have been picked up before it, it started. So long story short is I'm very, very excited about point of care diagnostics, life science mm-hmm. tools on the, life, on, on the med tech side um, and on the energy side, energy storage, hydrogen, uh, electrification, uh, and then the materials side, um, I, I definitely think circular economy is going to be is going to be a huge deal because um, people are figuring out business models. People from uh, and, and and honestly, I think talent also is changing. Right, the younger people, uh, the younger folks are getting into legacy industries, um, and 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 frankly. In, in my generation, that didn't happen. Why? Because you get paid more. <laughs> Facebook pays you, you know, I don't know, crazy amounts of money, right? Uh, half a million, you know, something like that. I've, when you see salary packages, um, these are quite, uh, quite rich, right? Um, Facebook uh, and uh, Amazon and all these software companies, they pay you really well. Now, I think the next generation is looking at the world and saying, there's a lot of things that are wrong here. Let's get into these legacy industries and, and, uh, and, uh, and try to uh, either digitize it or make it less, um, more carbon neutral, um, uh, less uh, effect on, on, on one planet that we have here uh, and, and so on. I think that's, that is very exciting to me. Just, just the people part. Uh, and, and I think we have to do everything to encourage the younger generation and uh, um, kids to get into science um, and, and really make that, uh, make that impact because there's tremendous uh, movement and uh, we can't lose now. I, I, I wanted to go there next because I, you know, I, I usually get contacted after, I, I know I'm going to get contacted after this one um, from that next generation, the, uh, the senior that's headed off to college in a couple months, um, the, 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 the freshman in college. Uh, they they want to follow your footsteps. They want to be the next uh, Anil Ajita. Uh, what, what do you talk, I mean, what do you talk to, to that generation about? Uh, they they want to be you. Uh, what, what's, what should their plan be uh, after uh, listening to this and, and, uh, and heading off to, uh, to I, college? I don't know. I mean, I, that's, that's, such a huge burden on me. <laughs> that question is, is quite, quite loaded. Um, I, I think I would tell people, again, I'm biased. Uh, I would tell younger children to play sports. It's the first okay. thing. I do. Um, because what you learn from sports is you learn how to lose. Mm-hmm. That's a very important skill to have. Absolutely. That probably is the best skill to have than anything else. You can solve Kashi Raiman equation, but if you don't learn, learn how to lose, you're going to lead a very, very unhappy life. And uh, because most of your life you lose, very few times you'll win. If you keep winning, then you'll, you'll not understand the value of winning. Um, it's like, you know, everything comes handed, right? You got to earn, you got to earn that respect. So I, I think that's probably the biggest point that I'll make is, I mean, I think sports is, is one way, right? You know, do something competitive. That, that, that would be my, maybe, maybe I should be a little broader, right? Maybe a competitive music, competitive, whatever that is, right? Art, sports, or activity-wise, 
um, doing something competitive will really get you uh, to understand how do you lose uh, gracefully. Graceful loss is not about shaking hands. That's one thing that I have to, you know, sort of make people understand. Graceful loss is about shaking hands, coming the next day harder, 10 times, right? Um, and, and having that competitive spirit to, uh, to really understand what went wrong, um, how can you do that better tomorrow and trying to better yourself. Um, and, and I think in individual sports like tennis and such, people talk about it. You are competing against yourself and you know, things like that. Um, I think those are types of things that, that one would want to develop when they're young. Now, that um, I think is, is probably the best advice for, uh, I would say, five-year-olds to 16-year-olds, uh, right? Um, because once you pass 16, I would think that you're old enough to, uh, or, or I feel, I, I fear that you may uh, have already gotten into certain habits that are difficult to break, but obviously everybody gets a second chance. Everybody gets to sort of iterate their own best self. Um, I, so, so I would say from 16 to 25, um, I would advise them to um, um, probably from a, from a, again, career point of view, um, I would advise them to uh, explore a lot of different things. Uh, so try to work in a restaurant, try to work in various businesses and um, try to uh, work in labs. I think you learn a lot of discipline from working in labs. Uh, try to basically trying different uh, fields uh, is good. Um, and, uh, and maybe 25 to 35 um, I think respect your elders, right? That's that's another thing. Uh, is something that I I, um, I would I would say, um, and 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 it really pays uh, because not because you know oh you didn't respect anyone before. It pays because you'll now start managing people who are probably slightly older. And you have to learn how to how to work with people, and and you're at a different layer and level. Uh, and, and you have to somehow modulate what people expect. How do you deal with different people? And how do you get the best out of everyone, right? Because, the, you know, people have kids and they have their lives. So usually you'll get less of them from a time point of view, but you have to get the best out of them. How do you do that? Uh, is I haven't figured it out, just FYI. I'm, I'm still <laughs> kind of... <laughs> Work in that, right? Uh, how do you get best out of people? Um, I, I, I still, I'm not sure. Um, I think I have to, I take a lot more time. I, I think I could be better there. Um, yeah, so that, that, that would be uh, my, my advice to different parts of the generation. And 35 up, I think, you know, live your life, right? <laughs> have a good time. Uh, don't, don't, don't regret anything. I think... Um, uh, looking forward is, you know, tomorrow is not here. Yesterday is gone, right? Today is the only reality. Yeah. So just live, live, live it up a little bit. Uh, and, you know, one, one final question while I have you. Um, a couple of days ago uh, on the show, I had a former uh, deputy assistant 
Secretary of Defense on who, you know, prior to her days now thinking about uh, autonomous uh, drones and artificial intelligence and things like that, uh, got her PhD in, the, in natural products, pharmaceutical chemistry, uh, which she longs to get back to. Uh, just looping back around to your beginning now, do you have, at, when you're not thinking about all this other stuff, do you have any interest ever in going back into the natural products world where you sort of started out? Because well, natural products is a fascinating area that I personally love and think we still have a lot to learn from the natural world. Uh, any couple of thoughts on, uh, on, on that whole domain? Yeah, look, I, I didn't start out in that world. Um, I was more morphed into it. I, okay. I got into it. Um, and, and, and frankly, I, I'm, I'm not the right guy to ask this question because I'm all about synthetic products. <laughs> or, or, or I would say I, I, I like biomaterials. That's yeah. one of my, one of my favorite places because there was materials and there was biology. And, and like I said before, people who knew biology didn't know materials and people who knew materials didn't know biology. And I kind of knew was mediocre enough or mediocrely good enough to be in both. Um, anyway, um, I'm not answering your question. Um, what advice do I have uh, or, or whether I have any passion uh, towards that space? Um, I, I do. I mean, I, I even advised someone yesterday. Okay. As recent as yesterday, this person has this new technology in hyperspectral imaging. <laughs> And um, they were looking at skin reflectivity and uh, trying to figure out ways to um, actively monitor skin conditions uh, and, and, and provide recommendations for you know, personalized recommendations and so on. So it was yesterday, last night, actually. <laughs> so um, I would say I'm still interested. Um, I, I still think there's a ton of work to do. Um, and... Uh, consumers are getting incredibly sensitive about, uh, for the right reasons, about the environment. Because it's not just, you know, what's in the product anymore. Right? It's, yeah. it's not just that. It's how the product is sourced. Where are you getting that from? Right? If you're getting cocoa butter from somewhere, right? Yep. You know, sure. Are you farming it in the right way? Are you getting this in the ethical source? to are you transporting, how much CO2 are you burning by transporting this thing, right? Uh, or do you have some strange uh, labor around, right? Uh, what, what are your practices? Two, how do you package this thing? How do you put it in a recyclable thing? Or is it biodegradable, right? Even, even the products are coming in biodegradable containers now. So packaging to uh, making, uh, of course, the chemistry and, and the, and the, and the, business end of the product, right? Uh, that you have to engineer that also to make it green, uh, sort of very, very safe. And, and, and when it goes down the drain of your, of your showers, et cetera, yep. it, it, it shouldn't kill the aquatic life, right? Or, or whatever it is. So, so there's end-to-end -end you know, upstream to downstream implications. Um, and and uh, how you advertise, are you inclusive? Are you, are you being, uh, are you helping people or are you just making them more sick, right? Um, so, so there's so much responsibility that that world has um, that everybody needs to raise the bar 
Uh, I have to say L'Oreal was doing a fantastic job in doing this. They were uh, really, uh, even, you know, with models and things like that, they were really up, you know, at the forefront of the, this green revolution. I, I knew a few fellows uh, who were working on some really cutting edge green chemistry um, to, to make these products completely safe and fully biodegradable and efficacious because that's the biggest problem, right? Uh, as someone says, what's the difference between uh, you know, a drug and poison, it's the dose, right? <laughs> so uh, things that really work are actually toxic. Um, so balancing those with the environment, uh, it's, it's a responsibility that we have as today's generation to help the next generation to reduce the footprint. So yeah. I'm stoked about that space. Um, and, you know, it's just that I have very little sort of time to balance everything that's happening with the board responsibilities, uh, with the looking at new spaces and returning financial returns for the fund, because ultimately we are a fund and we have to return capital um, and add strategic value to TDK and so on. So that takes up pretty much most of my time. Uh, and uh, I try to keep some time open for my family and my son uh, so, so that, that, that is another thing. So I'm still figuring that one out, how to, how to balance. We, we all are. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if I have, but, uh, um, I, I, I hope that I get better. I, I'm, I'm sure you, you're doing quite fine. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know the, uh, you know, this, this has been a, a really great time and I, and, you know, I just, I take my hat off to you with all you're doing and, and really wishing you the, the next 30 years <laughs> to, to keep on this path and, and, and keep doing these amazing things that you're doing. Um, for everybody that's going to be listening uh, to this episode on our podcast or watching on the YouTube channel, uh, you've been listening to Dr. Anil Achuta, uh, Investment Director, Founding Member of TDK Ventures. Uh, Anil, once again, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come talk to us for a little while. Uh, thank you for everything thing you're doing on the energy front, on the healthcare front. And as, as we say on our show, thank you for helping to create a better tomorrow through what you're doing. Really inspiring stuff. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real honor. And, uh, and I hope uh, uh, one person can gain some benefit out of this. And uh, that would be out of had a job done. I've already been, I've already benefited. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made my day then. <laughs> be well. <laughs>